0: You want to get paid to speak in public? That's right. Approach life with enthusiasm at how fast do we go, Brian? Like 150?
1: No, 35. Cruise 35. Dude,
0: 35. We're going to talk a little bit about social media and kids because people are absolutely going out of their minds and are shocked about the new Netflix special uh, documentary, The Social Dilemma. And uh get into some other good stuff with my good friend Brian Blasco, former keynote of New Yo Live in 2017. Yeah, a repeat offender. Great to have him back. New live market show presented by iSynergy. Gotta pay those bills, brother. That's right. Thank you, I Synergy. And you know, here, here's the here's the first uh question. Let's build a little bit of context for, for people that are new. There's a lot of people. When I posted this, by the way, there's a lot of Brian Blasco fans that are out there in the world today. Oh jeez! I scheduled this on Facebook, and next thing you know, I start getting messages. We love Brian Blasco. He's the man. Like, what about me? No, I'm joking. So I, I paid for those. B, tell us what you tell us what you do, man. Tell us tell some of our new uh, new people sure. what you do. Yeah.
1: Sure. So I'm a professional speaker. Uh, Some people want to call me a motivational speaker. That's fine. Uh, I do motivate. I do a tremendous amount of keynote speeches, but I also do a lot of training and development. Uh, Maybe some people don't realize that. I love delivering the opening or closing keynote presentation for a conference. But at the same time, some of my clients will have me do the opening keynote and then stick around for a breakout session. So you know how the conferences go. It's two or three days. You got the opening keynote. Then you have some multiple breakout sessions. So I do a lot of training development on interpersonal communication, leadership, and team building.
0: Leadership, communication, team building. And I also, you know, I left. I think I left out the fact that obviously not only do you do that, but you also published a book as well. You're an author.
1: I am. I've written two. Actually, I'm working on the third right now, D. No kidding. I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a second. No,
0: the first book is base, the basic fundamentals of everything that you talk about in going through life at 35 miles an hour. We, we That's yeah. the title of it, right?
1: Cruising Through Life at 35. Yeah, it's a motivational book, personal development, makes you feel good about who you are and what you do. And now book number two. Book number two is called Sending Signals, Cruising Through Life with Leadership. So I wrote this book like an allegory parable story. Have you ever read uh, Move, Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson? Yes. Back in the day. So I created this traffic light with three characters, Rudy, Yanni, and Gertie. Rudy red light, Yanni yellow light, Gertie green light. And they represent the three types of leadership, passive, aggressive, and assertive. So Rudy red lights, the aggressive leader. Yanni's kind of like passive. And then you have Gertie green light, who's the assertive, optimistic leader. So the whole premise of the book is this. Traffic light goes on a race every year that, that road signs and traffic signals throughout the world compete in, but humans don't know about it. And the cool thing about this race is the winner gets to become human. So every year, Rudy, Yanni, and Gertie compete against each other to win the great race to become human. And this year, Gertie says, hey, what the heck are we doing? Let's combine our leadership skills and win this thing together. So the whole beginning of the book is about her convincing Rudy and Yanni to combine their leadership skills In the end, they finally do, they win the race, and the next chapter of the book is they each wake up and they're human. So one's sliding down a fire pole going to work, one's heading to a corporate office, and one's coaching Little League Baseball. And they use, in the real world, the lessons of leadership they learned while running this race. It is quite
0: possibly, and I know that, you know, for those of you that do not know, Brian's been on several times. We joke around a lot in person, offline, and online. But incredibly intelligent depth super well thought out kind of topic in a lot of big words in there like allegory and things like that but i love it it's got so much depth to it and now the third book that you're working on so the I, third I, by the way people probably think that i like that like you're on and we set that like i had no idea
1: that you were working on a third book okay yeah yeah it's it's true so we're not promoting it at all because it's not finished yet but the third book's uh close and dear to my heart because it's simply called be better so i'm trying to promote this this idea that's been around for years about just being better in certain situations. Now, being better doesn't mean be better than your neighbor, be better than your best friend. It just means when any opportunity presents itself for you as a human being to be better, I say be better. So the book has 10 sections. Be humble, be kind, be friendly, be thankful, be giving. So I each chapter talks about how we can be better by using these concepts and ideas that we learned as kids. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, kind of your neighbor, say please and thank you. It's literally going back to the basics. Yeah. And it's a motto I have actually in my dining room downstairs, I have the words be better. It's it's just 10, 10 ideas for a better, simpler life.
0: On with Brian Blasco, speaker, author, all around great guy, super enthusiastic. If you have a question for Brian, go ahead and put it in the comments for us. We'd be glad to answer. I'd be glad to answer a question for you as well if you have one. And in the meanwhile, what are two tips that you have for our, for our listening audience today on what it takes to be able to come up with a book, write the book, finish the book, and and put it out there for the world to consume?
1: Okay, so in my opinion, and this is the truth, I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt. Everyone has a book. <laughs> I mean, everyone has a book within them. It is not magic. It is not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. What I did was I took an idea that I had in my head, put it down on paper, and I literally just outlined what I wanted different chapters to be on the first book and the second book and so on and so forth. Then I just literally started writing, and I had peer reviews. I had friends and family People read it, tell me what they like, tell me what they didn't like. Then I did hire a professional editor out of California, and she did edit my first two books. The third book I'm probably just going to do on my own, the Be Better concept. It's pretty simple. Uh, But if you have an idea for a book, I don't care if it's how to tie your shoelace correctly someone out there wants to read it. So no matter what your message is, whether it's perseverance, how to be a better marketer, how to be a better father, a mother, any idea or concept you have, someone out there also is probably interested in it as well. It's not difficult. Now I will say this. I did push my book to a lot of major publishers and I had, you know, I had to find an literary agent first because back in the day you can just go to a publisher, but now you can't just go to a publisher. So, you have to find a literary agent. And I, I think I can use this analogy with your audience, and I hope they're not offended. The literary <laughs> analogy, the, the literary agent is like your pimp. And <laughs> try to pimp you out to all these different publishing companies. So I hope that didn't offend anyone, but it's literally true. You give your information to this person, and then they take it, and they push you. They try to market you, speaking of marketing. And I had some success with it, but a lot of times when you sell your rights to a publishing house, you lose the rights. So I started my own publishing company. I bought 10 ISBN numbers, you know, the barcodes on the back so I could publish sure. the books on my own. And go right to, like direct to Amazon? Well, you have to go through a, 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 a whatchamacallit. You have to have a distributor before it can get onto Amazon or in the bookstores. So my distributor was bookmasters for, for probably 15, 20 years. I had them and my book in the beginning was in Barnes and Nobles. It was all over Amazon and stuff like that, but I've kind of pulled back because most of my book sales now, to be honest with you, are in my seminars.
0: So let, let's switch gears for a moment. It's a nice segue into public speaking. Mm. I mean, effectively you do workshops, right? But there also yeah. comes a lot. How did you start getting paid speaking
1: gigs? That's a great question. So I'm not sure if your your listeners know my past history. My original goal in life, I'm not even sure if you know this, was to be Dennis (laughs) 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 Giraldi.
0: I can't can't stand you, man.
1: (laughs) But I can't because I have too much hair, so I can't be Dennis. So my original (laughs) in life was to be a college professor. That was my dream. So I went to Youngstown State for my undergrad. I went to the University of Akron for grad school. When I finished grad school, the university actually hired me on as a part-time faculty member. So I taught for a year and a half. I taught public speaking courses. I taught communication courses. And I was just about to jump into my PhD program when Dr. Rancer, one of my mentors, one of my, one of my best influences in my life, brought me into his office, sat me down and said, listen, we love having you here. Get the heck out. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you should take your show on the road. So I literally, Dennis, left academia, stopped the PhD program and went into the world of professional speaking. And I had all this information with regards to communication because that's what my background degrees are in. My my undergrad's in speech communications. My master's is in interpersonal communication. So I thought, let me do some communication training. So to make a long story shorter, a friend of my parents, uh, Ray Hanna, wonderful man, passed uh, away recently another tremendous influence on me. I went to his company, okay, it was a local company in Salem, Ohio, and I said, Mr. Hanna, give me 10 of your managers, I wanna try a half-day seminar for free, won't cost you anything, but I have this half-day seminar I've created, I wanna give it to 10 of your managers, see how it goes. He said, absolutely, so I went in there, I did this half-day seminar on communication for 10 of his managers, and after that day, he hired me back for all the employees And I got paid. And it was at that moment. I said, okay, I can be paid to be a professional speaker. Right? Yeah.
0: So, so now does, do you have to,
1: you have to write a book in order to be able to get paid speaking gigs? No. You didn't have a book at that time. Did you? I didn't have a book at that time. In fact, I'm not, I mean, yes, you can call me an author, but I'm more of a professional speaker. I did write the books to help boost my credibility as a speaker with regard to leadership Uh, I worked for about 10 years with the United States Postal Service, visiting all their BMCs, which are bulk mail centers, and PNDCs, which are processing and distribution centers. Uh, I have spoken at numerous of their national meetings. So I did 10 years of good work with them on leadership and team building. And I talked to the, the mail handlers, and I decided I needed a book just to help boost my credibility. But I will be honest, I've never had a client hire me because I have a few books.
0: I thought you were going to tell me that you delivered mail for like 10 years. I wish I could
1: have. That'd be a cool job because you'd meet a lot of people and pet a lot of dogs. Our mail
0: person, our mail carrier, plays with our dog every day. Like yeah. it's, the, it's the exact opposite. And one day the mail truck was going down the street and the dog was chasing the mail truck literally. And I wish I had my phone out to grab that picture. But <laughs> it was that moment like literally the dog was chasing the mail truck. Ah. So, um, so that gets us into our next step. Say that you have a little bit of energy would be yep. an understatement. You, but you, you have. I would call it not just energy, but a general enthusiasm. You know, every time I see you, like you know, we're out, we're at a, we're at a, a, a youth basketball game. Both of our kids play youth basketball. Mm-hmm. You've got some things to say there. <laughs> so, you know, I'll see you at an event here just passing by always just in a great mood. How do you, how do you approach life with that enthusiasm? How do you make, how do you bring that energy and that enthusiasm to other people?
1: Well, that's cool. That's a great question to ask. So it does come natural. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm literally just a wired person. Uh, caffeine really doesn't make me more energetic. A lot of my clients think, boy, this guy has to drink Red Bull. He has to drink coffee. I'm naturally wired and I literally just get excited when I'm around people. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like when an owner comes home and the puppy dog's waiting for the owner and they're sitting there behind that door and the door opens and the puppy dog's like, "Ah, that's how I am with people. I just, I like being around people. So when I motivate, and this is a great question. A lot of people think to motivate others, you have to wave pom-poms and and, and be a cheerleader and tell them life's good, life's great. No, I, I do not blow smoke up people's butts. Here's how I motivate others. I literally live my life the way I am, and that sometimes in and of itself is enough to help motivate and inspire others. So you don't necessarily have to tell your employees or your people, be happy, be cheerful. It's kind of like monkey see, monkey do. When they see you as a leader being helpful, uh, helpful and, and cheerful, it kind of sends them a signal. It's like raising kids. I got no a conversation years ago about how do you raise your kids? Cause I have three children, okay? Two I'm sure are mine. <laughs> so, all I've, my. Got,
0: I've got four and I'm hoping the fifth doesn't show up. That oh my I. gosh.
1: <laughs> so I have a 16 year old son, Ben, a 14 year old daughter, Angeline, and a 12 year old daughter, Natalie. And someone said, How are you raising your kids? And I thought, Well, that's a good question. And my response was this Are you ready? I just be me. What I mean by that is if my kids see me being kind to a neighbor or helping someone out, it gives them the green light to do the same thing. If my kids see me being a jerk to someone or being ignorant to someone, it gives them the green light to do the same thing. So leadership to me is like parenting. It's monkey see, monkey do. So that's how I try to motivate others. I don't try to shove it down their throat. I just try to let them see how excited and happy I can be and and give them some tools and ideas and strategies on how to be a better leader.
0: We're gonna jump in we're gonna jump into some of the kid conversation right now that you brought up kids and here's the funny thing too is that we are live on LinkedIn now and then I'm sure that there's some people that are over on our LinkedIn live that are the LinkedIn police come out and it's like this is not the platform to be talking about kids and your family and your vacation and here's the funny thing that I, I I've said it's kind of like an 80 20 principle and it's this all my best business relationships don't start the conversation with business. All my best business relationships come in and start with Brian. How's, how's, how how are the kids? How is your family? What have you been up to? We have that conversation, and then we jump into business. So the LinkedIn police that don't want to hear the kid conversation, it the, there, there'll be a tie here. Before we do that, real quick, though, here's what I want to do, because we talked about it off air. COVID, obviously, you know, I, I run an event. Um, thank God that I'm diversified in my, my portfolio of business. I, I have a consulting business that I, you know, I handle people's marketing for them. You know, they, they will contract me. I've got a print publication that's kind of dead in the water for the rest of 2020. And then obviously a rather large marketing conference. Um, you know, we're coming back with a virtual event on the 18th and the 19th of November, you know, but we have obviously no event. You get hired to go speak in person. Uh, How how has COVID impacted your business and
1: how how, how are you getting through? So I got my butt kicked. Uh, I lost a tremendous amount of business in six or seven months. Gigs that I had lined up that just went away because there were no live audiences. My biggest biggest client, a partner of mine, actually, an organization I've partnered with over the years, called Care Right Centers, phenomenal organization, rehabilitation and healthcare company. They have 30 different communities in New York, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Florida, and their long-term care facilities, nursing homes, and things of that nature. So I, working with them, have been visiting their buildings, doing live one-on-one team building motivational things with their staff and employees. Well, when COVID hit, we pulled back. So I am now doing some Zoom. Yeah calls I'm doing a lot of one-on-one coaching with the directors of nursing and the administrators and things of that nature so my business although it took a hit uh, because I'm working with my biggest partner care right centers it has helped me succeed so the live programs are starting to come back slowly but surely um, where did you just get back from didn't you just get I, like, just, I just did a, a gig in Vale Colorado for the first time it was with the real estate uh, organization and it felt good. I, you, you think I'm wired now. <laughs> this audience, this is the first time in six months I've been in front of a lot of audience. So, bark! let the line out of the cage, right? As and uh, I am, I am a maniac, but I'm controlled chaos. So, controlled chaos. But business is, is slow to pick up once these live programs and seminars, Brian. So, you went and did that already, or it's coming up. Did it? How was it? What was the very mood? cool?
0: What was the I'll tell you what,
1: I took a flight from Pittsburgh to Dallas, Dallas to Vail, and all the flights were full. People were social distancing. It was nice. Everyone had a mask on. I felt comfortable. Everything was clean, sanitized. The audience was socially distanced. It was a smaller group. We only had probably maybe 100 individuals in the room spread out. Yeah. Um, But I think people were eager to have that live interaction they did live stream it as well so for those who didn't want to attend the conference right see me on the live stream but those who were there one-on-one i believe they got probably more out of it than watching it live there's nothing wrong with zoom and live streaming right right but nothing beats that face-to-face interaction with an audience
0: yeah they're, they're, it really doesn't and i think this 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 time proves proves that more than anything now you know we've been a big believer i've been a big believer in pushing content like this on a consistent basis, webinars, things of that nature. And people are always like, are you afraid that like it's going to deter people from wanting to come to like maybe your in-person event or maybe, maybe they don't need to hire you for marketing help because you give so much free marketing advice away. And it's just the opposite. Either they're not going to take the time to be able to execute on all of it. So they call me or they're confused. Or the, the other part of this is that like, What I was saying during COVID to a lot of the exercise places was like, put your classes on Facebook Live, and if anything, what's what it's going to prove is that when we do come back online, people don't want to just do a workout. Though, out of convenience, they might do a live workout over Zoom or over Facebook Live, but they want to come into your class. They want to make connections with other people. They want that tribal community feeling, that live in person, three D type of touchy feely atmosphere. And that's why I don't feel like this is going to displace. This is just an opportunity for convenience. Um, you know, I used to, we, we did this interview from branch street. Um, yeah. Two years ago. Yep. And it just got to the point where th- with a time aspect that I had to start to leverage technology because I just couldn't get out because we got so much more busy, but I still feel the value in wanting to do the interview. So leveraging technology. So switching yeah. gears, obviously you and I are both, you're, 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 a few years ahead of me, you know. I've got 9, nine, seven, and and three. Okay. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> three. Uh, <laughs> I snuck one by, and then and then and then you know, and then and then I got fixed. So therefore, yeah. you know, uh, to everybody's everybody was like cheering in Poland, Ohio. They're like, "Yay, he's done!" You know, sure. right. So we're out at Flag Football. This is my eleven-year-olds last year. And I'm and and I'm just looking at the three-year-old that that you know there's four and five-year-olds playing. I'm like I'm ending one and we'll be starting another. I I they may erect a statue by the time yeah. it's all said and done, right? So there's a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it basically talks about the dark side of the development and the psychology development of of social media in a vap. <clears throat> you, you your kids have phones yes okay and so here's what we're up against what people i don't think recognize and like i'm like really shocked that people are watching this for the first time you're like they're like really like wow we didn't know right and, okay. and and before it was before it was the addictive quality of social media and phones like a a blackberry was called a crackberry right it's like right they were, remember remember sure you're like oh i got my crackberry with yeah, me right yep. it's like they do put crack in the iPhones and like social media apps and so when you're when your your kid is engrossed into a phone the one thing that we don't we've not recognized and maybe this this documentary is bringing it to light the reason why they're so mesmerized by it has the fact that you're not only up against the form of entertainment but the way that it's been developed is like psycholo- psychologically bringing them down into a rabbit hole that's super addicting, right? So I guess the question this this came as no surprise to me. Um, and and the ways that people are utilizing social media, in marketing and advertising and manipulation of whatever you want to call it. Um, your kids have so your kids have phones, social media. What, what How do you kind of man? How do you manage through that?
1: That's a great question. So they don't have Facebook. They they have. Snapchat, which I know is big with the kids. Uh, They have never posted any videos on TikTok because I told them I don't want them posting because I think they're too young to be posting a video on TikTok. They make them, a ton of them. In fact, I've made numerous with them. We've had fun doing it. You know, the thing about the phone and technology, it's information because a lot of times we need information and it's also entertainment. So if your children are using it, For both, it's kind of a happy medium, but if they're just using it for entertainment and to go into that rabbit hole, so to speak, then I think it becomes an issue. But if they're using it for information, like I've Googled numerous things with my kids to try to get information or a fact on something, whether it's directions to a park to go hiking or information about the elevation of a mountain. So I'm pretty pretty good, I guess, with regards to monitoring, but I'm one of those individuals where I have raised my kids, and and, and I don't want to say I, I let them do their thing, but I kind of do, and until I'm proven wrong, I will let them continue to do their thing. Uh, if I need to step in, I have no problem stepping in and putting the hammer down, but I think I've raised them pretty well, and my my uh, their mother, Laura, has raised them very well, and it's one of those things where if you give your kids the instrument and tools to go out into the world, they'll they'll do the right thing and make the right choice. They'll be better. Goes back to my whole concept of being better. Being better. You know, here's here's kind of what
0: I think about is number one, these tools are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Right. They're only going to get smarter. We've oh, got artificial
1: intelligence. We've got right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Jump in. Well, people, people. Here's the thing. Some people say, "Oh, technology." Listen. When's the last time? You went to your backyard and used the outhouse. <laughs> well, Man, well the,
0: the, 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 hold on. Here's the deal. Just <laughs> so, I mean, you think about it, right? I got three boys and one girl, and we do have woods to the back of the house. Okay, so, an but, the boys but that's a sure. diff- that's a whole different conversation. Is, what
1: I'm saying is we never had indoor plumbing. We got indoor plumbing. Everyone loves it and uses it. Right. We never had microwaves back in the day. We got microwaves. Everyone has them and uses them. Right. So we never had cars. We had horse and buggy. So this to me is just another thing. It just has to be, it's just it, technology side. It's an evolution of technology. And the
0: way that I look at it is that our, ki- our kids are going to have to be computer savvy. They're going to have to be technology savvy in order to be able to get ahead and move forward in, in the world that we're living in. Yeah. Um. And I I think that that also comes with a kind of the same set of responsibility of handing them the keys on a Friday night and saying, drive the speed limit, right? So if I give you the phone to your, to your point, there's gotta be some sort of way that, you know, that we limit the time that you develop some sort of self-discipline to live life, but also be able to, um, you know, to, to, to not abuse it because you have to learn how to live with it. You have to learn how to put it down. Now I have to help manage you in the meanwhile. Yes. You know, to get you to that point. It's interesting though, that you don't have, you don't have Facebook, but there's chat, uh, Snapchat, Instagram.
1: Yes. Um, I'm trying to think if my youngest daughter, Natalie has ever posted on Instagram. I don't, I don't think she has. And I think my middle daughter, Angelie, has maybe posted one or two pictures. Uh, my son, Ben, again doesn't post a lot, but they are they are on Instagram and they are on Snapchat.
0: Oddly enough, though, we post a lot of lot of content with our kids on the social media, mm-hmm. so like the world can see them. That is true. So, uh, uh, gotta actually I have a student from Youngstown State University. I am not on strike. I'm an adjunct <laughs> professor, so. I'm technically not a part of the union. I teach one class and uh, hopefully they get things resolved down there kind of quickly. But yeah. uh, when you see kids and their friends and peers participating in social media, how do you speak to them about missing out on the trend? And I think that it goes beyond social media, but do you uh, peer pressure, missing out, fear of missing out? How do you talk to your kids? Hey, dad, everybody's going roller skating,
1: you know? Um, Yeah. That's a a great question. And it's it's one of those things. It's parenting 101. You learn by trial and error. Uh, I try to let my kids know that, you know, even if the situation that presents itself is something they cannot be a part of, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, bad things will happen if they don't do this. That's the problem. We automatically think it's FOMO. Okay. Right. (laughs) Now, FOMO okay, and, and people have it. I have it. I, I want to be around. I want to know what's happening. So I'm guilty of that myself, but it's one of those things where you try to explain to your kids, you know, it's the old cliche if if so and so jumps off the bridge, are you gonna follow them and jump off the bridge? Well, some kids will say yes, some kids will say no. So it is very difficult to balance that 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 or have that conversation with regards to... You're going to miss out on things in life. That's just one of those things you have to explain to them. It's you can't do everything, you can't be everywhere all the time. We talk about
0: good versus great in our house all the time. Okay. Um, Jim Collins. Ju- Ju- Junior was striking out his 10-year-old year and in travel, highly competitive travel baseball, and couldn't figure it out. And I, I we're driving home, and he's just like, When am I gonna stop striking out? You know, it was it was April and it was new to him. <laughs> And I said, look, bud, I don't know. I said, but we're going to go put our time in. We're going to figure this thing out because the difference between good and great is this, you know, great keeps going. Good gives up.
1: That's great. Right. Yeah.
0: You, you know, baseball, you don't you're going to, you're going to hear no more than you're going to hear. Yes. You're going to strike out more than you hear. No. So developing young leadership, right. Is, is that's also part of our good versus great. It's uh, the good, you know, good kind of does worry about missing out. Great. Great doesn't concern themselves with that noise that's a great point now now right. here's here's a funny thing I'll switch gears for a second because you and I grew up from the very same era yeah um, um, so you know 16 17 18 years old you know we were running around uh, Youngstown, Ohio probably trying to sneak in places that we probably shouldn't have been trying to see things that we probably shouldn't have seen. <laughs> Okay, so now you know I'm guilty. You know, right? Right? Statue of limitations have passed. Okay, so I say this all the time Would you rather have that 17 year old, 18 year old version of your kid, or would you rather have the one that's going into the bedroom with the iPhone and trying to see potentially, you know, harmful videos that, that, you know, like what's, you know, I mean, right
1: a great question. I mean, I'd rather have them have live experiences, life experiences than virtual ones. So I guess I would say I'd rather have them try to sneak into a place when they're not supposed to <laughs> themselves in the bedroom. That's me personally as an individual, um, because you can get in trouble both ways, Dennis. You can get in trouble into the virtual world. Yeah, absolutely. Into the, the real world. Uh, so I think we do live in different times. Life was a little bit easier. I know when when my parents were raising me, and I'm sure you had the same thing, it was, you know, be back before the streetlights come on.
0: And what you did, or or say, you know, when you got older, it was like be home at 11 or 12. and And so it was, you know, leave the house at 7 or 8. And what you did between the hours of 8 and midnight, you know, outside of their network, their social network. Sure. Right. That was eyeballing you. It was up to you. It was on you. Yeah. You know, I I got I recently got my kid a phone this year because he's he's commuting back and forth to school. It was the first year this summer, baseball-wise, that he's with different parents. Okay. And coaches, right? You know, like, so it was, um, you know, this is the first year that he's not been under my thumb everywhere that we went. So said, okay, you know, we're going to break down. Could have got him a flip phone, got him an iPhone right yeah and um but anyway yeah so it's it's that's that's interesting so um are you gonna come to the virtual version of do your Live?
1: yeah what date what are the dates on that november
0: are, are you gonna are you gonna make up some excuse again uh, you know, you're getting circumcised that day or what? what's the story I mean, <laughs> <prevalence>. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right but anyone way, watching, anyone watching, are, should attend that. And version. here's the other one yeah. that I'm
0: going to bust you up about just a little bit. What yeah, are we going to collaborate? What are we going to collaborate on a podcast or or a vlog, right? Because you don't do much of this. I don't. And I think we've talked about it offline. Like I, you know, I feel like we've got the good, you know, we've got the good energy going. We probably agree a little bit too much on certain things, though. That yeah, we need chemistry. We need some point counterpoint type stuff, like maybe things that we don't agree on.
1: But that will happen. I mean, I'm sure there are things we don't agree on, but I think for the most part, it's. We all
0: know you're better looking. We all know <laughs> you have more hair.
1: I mean, it's like so. These are all no brainers. Like it's- I think it's. I think it's good that we're the one and the same. I'd Like to do a podcast. I would like to be on a podcast more on a regular basis.
0: Maybe we should have you on as as like my. Uh, remember the Johnny Carson days. I could be your sidekick, and uh, oh gosh.
1: Not Ed. Ed? I'm this thinking
0: Sullivan. Horrible that we cannot remember that name. On, but Johnny, anyway. Sidekick was. I don't want you sitting on the couch as feeling like a sidekick, but I think maybe, maybe that's it. Anyway, rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah, we have questions. Rapid-fire questions. Yep, yep, and then yep. we're going we're gonna to end it. Okay. You can only win one. Okay. U.S. Open, Masters, the Open Championship, or the PGA Championship? Say that again. You can only win one. U.S. Open, the Masters, the Open Championship, the PGA. Masters. Coke versus Pepsi, either one. Pepsi. Best fast food, French fries?
1: McDonald's.
0: Beach versus mountain vacation. What are you taking? Beach. Last question is very controversial. Best pizza in Youngstown? (laughs) Elmton. Crazy that you said that because last night, that's right, brother, we door dashed. Large A large pie from the Elton and some roasted chicken. I'll leave it at that. Brian it's Blasco, fun. thank you so much for dropping on by today. I super appreciate that you took the time out to be on the Do Your Live Market show presented by iSynergy. You want to get a free ticket to Do Your Live? Subscribe to our newsletter do you Live, at doyolive.com. We're giving away 100 free tickets. It's going to be an online experience. And then I've got some plans to do an in-person small event uh, in between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. So stay tuned on that. Brian Blasco. Thank you for dropping on by brother. All Thanks. of you stay safe out there. Thank you. Have a great week. See ya.